0: Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to worship here at Essex Church, home of Kensington Unitarians. Some opening words by Krista Taves. Whether we have come here with heart full or heart empty, with spirits high or low, rested or tired, hopeful or despairing, whether we have come here out of habit Conviction, loneliness, or curiosity. We belong here because we are here, and all that we have and all that we are is welcome here. This morning, we are together the heartbeat of this congregation, and you are welcome, one and all. This flame, this symbol of transformation since time began, may it fire our curiosity, may it strengthen our wills, sustain our courage as we seek what is good within and around us. Cautionary Tales we humans use stories for all sorts of reasons. We use them to entertain, certainly, we use them to educate, and sometimes we use them in an attempt to control. And when it comes to curiosity, the theme of today's service, there are so many stories warning us what will happen if we are too curious. After all, curiosity, it is said, killed the cat. So we have... Um, Harold is going to read us a little snippet from Hilaire Belloc's cautionary tale about poor Jim.
1: <laughs> this is Jim, who ran away from his nurse and was eaten by a lion. You know, or at least you ought to know, for I have often told you so, that children never are allowed to leave their nurses in a crowd. Now this was Jim's especial foible, he ran away when he was able, (laughs) and on this inauspicious day he slipped his hand and ran away. He hadn't gone a yard when, bang, with open jaws a lion sprang And hungrily began to eat the boy beginning at his feet. Now just imagine how it feels when first your toes and then your heels, and then by gradual degrees your shins and ankles, calves and knees are slowly eaten
0: bit by bit. We've left it on a cliffhanger for you. (laughs) Now, this tale of poor Jim, eaten by the lion, is relatively modern. But stories warning us of the dangers of curiosity, Mm. they stretch back in time. Think of Pandora, warned that whatever she did, she must not lift the lid on the interesting chest that her and her husband had been given as a wedding gift by Zeus, father of the gods, Whatever you do, Pandora, don't open that chest. Or Eve, that first woman there in the Garden of Eden, told she could help herself to absolutely everything growing in that garden. Everything that is, except an apple from the tree of knowledge. And what about Icarus? Given a pair of wings lovingly made for him by his father so that he could escape their prison cell, Icarus, a young boy finding himself able to fly who ignored his father's warning about flying too close to the sun's meltingly hot rays, Icarus who fell to earth like a stone. And when it comes to tales of morality, of how to behave in the world, well, we sometimes turn to wise old Aesop who used the animal world to point out humanity's follies. And in his tale of the tortoise and two ducks, not one I knew Actually, I don't know about you. He tells us what idle curiosity and vanity may lead to. For you know the tortoise carries his house on his back. No matter how hard he tries, the tortoise can never leave home. And they say that Jupiter punished him so because he was such a lazy stay at home that he wouldn't go to Jupiter's wedding, even when specially invited. And then after many years, tortoise began to wish that he had gone to that wedding, And when he saw how freely the birds flew about, how the hare ran around, all the other animals running nimbly by, always eager to see everything that there was to be seen, well, Tortoise began to feel quite sad and discontented. He wanted to see the world too. There he was with his house on his back and little short legs that could hardly drag him along. And so it was that one day he found a pair of ducks and he told them all his troubles "'We can help you see the world,' said those ducks. "'Now take hold of this stick with your teeth "'and we'll carry you up far high in the air "'where you can see the whole countryside. "'But keep quiet or you'll be sorry.' tortoise was very glad indeed. "'He seized that stick firmly in his mouth "'and off they set, flying up, up, up. "'Tortoise could see the world till a crow flew by.' Now, the crow was so astonished at the strange sight, he cried, "'Surely this must be the king of the tortoises. He can fly.' "'Why, certainly,' began the tortoise. And as he opened his mouth to say these foolish words, he lost his hold on the stick, and down to earth he fell once more, where he was dashed to pieces on the rocks. And Aesop said, "'Foolish curiosity and vanity and lead to misfortune. Mm-mm. So we we heard those um, cautionary tales earlier on warning us of what curiosity might lead to. But if we turn to the um, world of poetry, now curiosity is viewed with an altogether more positive slant. It's seen as the quality that leads us onwards, that helps us to make new discoveries and reach decisions. Um, here are a few poems that celebrate our spirit of adventure, our urge to move on, to explore the unknown. To start, just a few verses from Walt Whitman's Song of the Open Road. Afoot and light-hearted... I take to the open road, healthy, free, the world before me, the long brown path before me, leading wherever I choose. Henceforth, I ask not good fortune, I myself am good fortune. Henceforth, I whimper no more, postpone no more, need nothing. Strong and content, I travel the open road. And then a a poem by Sheena Pugh, who I have Carol to thank for introducing me to as a poet. What if this road that has held no surprises these many years decided not to go home after all? What if it could turn left or right with no more ado than a kite tail? What if its tarry skin were like a long, supple bolt of cloth that is shaken and rolled out and takes a new shape from the contours beneath. And if it chose to lay itself down in a new way, around a blind corner, across hills you must climb without knowing what's on the other side, who would not hanker to be going at all costs? Who wants to know a story's end or where a road will go? And then Michaela is going to read Mary Oliver's poem, The Journey. This is a poem
2: by Mary Oliver, and I think it has a sort of slightly more ambiguous tone to it, and I think very realistic. One day you finally know what you had to do, and began though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at the ankles. Mend my life, each voice cried. But you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible. It was already late enough, and a wild night, and the road full of fallen branches and stones, but little by little, As you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds. And there was a new voice, which you slowly recognized as your own, that kept you company. As you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing that you could do, determined to save the only life that you could save.
0: Are you doing anything on Thursday? Thursday, this week, just after sunset, if you look up at the sky towards the southwest, you'll see a crescent moon, if it's not cloudy. And just below the crescent moon, and a little bit to the right, will be the planet Mars. And if you look at the front of your order of service sheet today, um... There's a picture of the NASA Mars rover which is, as we speak, gently trundling across the landscape of Mars, the so-called red planet, sampling rocks and taking photos. It's taken a photo of its own shadow here and in the far distance you can see Mount Sharp which is one of the places it's heading to on its tour of Mars. The robot has been aptly named Curiosity and its mission is planned to last one Mars year which is 23 Earth months. Only this week Curiosity has found a very unusual rock on the surface of the red planet and it's now been called Jake, the rock that is, by the scientists back at mission control. I mean whilst we're looking at the order of service sheet There's a lovely quote from Stephen Fry from his book The Fry Chronicles extolling the virtues of curiosity. I wish I could do his voice but you know him. There is no reason why anyone should understand how it works and I don't actually know what he's referring to and of course no reason why anyone should care unless you are curious in which case I love you For curiosity about the world and all its corners is a beautiful thing. It's a very human quality, curiosity. And yet it's also a delightful quality to to observe in animals too. Perhaps it's clearer to say that curiosity is a quality of being alive, a way of being truly and fully alive to your surroundings. And it's that quality that made me fall in love with a rat once, at least for a while. When I lived in Sheffield, my office desk looked out from an upper floor into the garden. And one Monday morning, I was musing on the work that we'd done over the weekend, completely changing the shape of a rockery, moving stones and shrubs around. And that morning, I watched, entranced, as a really quite good-sized rat... Made its way across the uh, the rockery, stopped midway, went up on its haunches, as they do, and surveyed our work. It had a good look round, and as if he was saying in a rather ratty voice, Oh no, I wouldn't have put the rock rose back there. If we consider the history of humanity and our relentless exploration of and expansion across our planet earth home it's clear that some basic needs have been driving us all this time in our explorations a need for more land for more food another mate etc etc yet don't you think there's another quality that also drives us on and the vikings have a word to describe it a fintir restless curiosity that is the spirit that compels humanity to go exploring, to take the road less travelled, to set out bravely towards an unknown horizon, even at a time when people believed that our earth was flat and you could therefore reach the end and indeed fall off over the edge into the abyss still those ancient mariners set off to explore, they knew not where And today, our scientists continue to explore as the Curiosity rover makes its way across the planet Mars and the Hubble telescope brings us images of far distant galaxies from the beginning, it seems, of time. Meanwhile, we are exploring ever deeper depths of our oceans, ever more minute explorations of our own biology. Neuroscience and MRI scans are allowing us glimpses of the workings of our own brains. There's a lot of exploring going on. And yet way back in the time of King Arthur, there was Merlin, according at least to T.H. White, the author, there was Merlin telling young Arthur of the value of exploring Merlin said to him, and one of the reasons we explore is because we want to learn, to know more, to understand better. The best thing for being sad, replied Merlin, beginning to puff and to blow, is to learn something. That's the only thing that never fails. You may grow old and trembling in your anatomies. You may lie awake at night listening to the disorder of your veins. You may miss your only love. You may see the world about you, devastated by evil lunatics, or know your honour trampled in the sewers of baser minds. There is only one thing for it then, to learn. Learn why the world wags and what wags it. That's the only thing which the mind can never exhaust, never alienate, never be tortured by, never fear or distrust, and never dream of regretting. Learning is the only thing for you, Arthur. Look what a lot of things there are to learn. And of course, the learning that Merlin is advocating here is not the dull routine of reciting your nine times table. Although, do let me tell you over coffee the thing I only discovered a few years ago about the nine times table, and I wish somebody had told me when I was seven... No, there's something more exciting than simply time's table. It's the learning that excites you, that brings you that sense of wonder. A sense of wonder can be stimulated by travel, by the actual taking of a journey. But awe and wonder can also be our natural orientation in life. They can be the qualities through which we view the world, our lens, if you will. And anyone who's spent time with a young child knows their irrepressible curiosity about the world. Well, irrepressible to a certain extent. A young child wants to know for themselves that the fire is hot, that the knife is sharp, that the dog has teeth. And I think it's probably a healthy parent only who can balance that need to protect a child with the need to allow their freedom to explore. I know some of us have um, enjoyed Justin Garda's book, Sophie's World, which is an introduction to philosophy for children, well, for teenagers, but actually I found it quite a challenge myself. (laughs) Worth reading, though. And and Justin Garda has his his mystery character at one point say to young Sophie, so now you must choose, Sophie. Are you a child who has not yet become world-weary... Or are you a philosopher who will vow never to become so? For to children, the world and everything in it is new, something that gives rise to astonishment. It's not like that for adults. Most adults accept the world as a matter of course, and this is precisely where philosophers are a notable exception. A philosopher never gets used to the world. To him or her, the world continues to seem a bit unreasonable, bewildering, even enigmatic. Philosophers and small children thus have an important faculty in common. The only thing we require to be good philosophers is the faculty of wonder. Words from uh, Sophie's World. So this is the philosopher's task, to remain childlike in their sense of wonder about the world. It's a, it's a path of not knowing of not being sure or certain, and of accepting that state of not knowing, and being open to the paradoxical nature of our world. There is so much we do not know. Yep, we are clever enough to build a Mars rover and send it to the planet Mars. Yet if you are anything like me, there is rarely a day that goes by when I don't find myself asking at some point, why on earth did I just do that? Or why did that person say that? Or why do we humans make such a mess of things as I hear yet another news story that leaves me shocked or confused? You'll have your own versions of these, these questions, I suspect. And it's this sort of curiosity that, for me, is an essential part of a spiritual life. And I don't think it is a restless curiosity, as the Vikings had it. It's more of a compassionate sort of curiosity. A compassionate curiosity that is willing to turn inwards and ask searching questions of myself. And then it's prepared to turn to another and engage in gentle inquiry that asks someone to say more about what is going on for them. It's the kind of curiosity that notices things, the stars in the sky, the falling leaves, the behaviour of an animal, be that a much-loved pet or a, a bird that suddenly settles on the fence next to us. And we tend to live our lives, don't we? I think most of us, as though things will proceed much as they always have done. And yet, part of us knows that truth, don't we? That in reality, we do not have a clue what is going to happen next. We know that the path of life can turn in an instant. Robert Fulgham writes that surprise is the core of existence. It's true you never really know what's coming next. Perhaps those writers of all those cautionary tales that we heard earlier on that warned of the dangers of curiosity, perhaps they were in some way trying to protect humanity from this oft-times painful reality of an uncertain world. Yet no amount of warning can fully dampen our exploring spirits. The spirit in us that wants to know more about ourselves and about one another and about not just our world but the universe itself. So let's be brave and compassionate explorers filled with that sense of curiosity and never too afraid to ask why. Amen. And so may the road indeed rise with you in this week ahead. And may it take you on a journey of compassionate curiosity about all that is and all that might be, all that is within you and within those around you and throughout our world, that we might never forget the infinite possibilities of life and love. Amen. Amen. Go well, and blessed be.